You know, uh, my wife likes to play Scrabble, and if you ever play Scrabble, you know you have those words out in front of you. And a couple of times a month, she gets me to play with her, and she always wins me. Uh, but it's that thing about Scrabble. You have your words, and you know words, and then you put things together. When you read the Bible, you are putting into your spirit, you're putting words that the Holy Spirit can bring up when he wants to. It's so important. You know, we live in a, a time now where there's so much thing about education and knowledge, and there's such a, uh, there's new things even coming out. The scriptures are being so dug into and uh, ex expounded on that I feel like we miss the meaning of what God's saying. We are supposed to hear what the Spirit is saying. In Hebrews 4, 12, it says, the word of God is living and powerful. And we need the Holy Spirit to break open that bread for us that we have a, can have an understanding. Remember, the, the temptation in the garden was for knowledge. And since Satan took the, the first couple away in knowledge, knowledge is, is the thing that is sought after. But as we see in our society, as much knowledge as we have, it is not bringing the changes that we need. It is the Spirit of God. It is the mystery of the gospel that comes into our heart by faith in Jesus Christ that awakens something in us, which is our human spirit, which is going to be with God in eternity, that we need to spend time together like we are today, where we're feeling the Spirit of God. We're having the Holy Spirit move past our mind and move deeply into our spirit. As you read the Bible, we try to understand and grasp the context. Yes, the context has its place, but what we want is the meat of what the Holy Spirit would say to us. Two Sunday nights ago, this Sunday night, I had just got into bed, and I feel like the Holy Spirit reminded me of a scripture that I had to look up the next day that was in John, and it was John 21, 11. It was that last time where Jesus was with the disciples, and they were out fishing again. And it says, when Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were many, the net was not broken. And I, I just kind of thought about it, and I thought, wow, God is saying to me something. Okay, this net full of fish, the, the disciples pick up, big deal. So two days later, Tuesday, I'm in the office, and I start, okay, God, this is what you said to me. So I started reading. And I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me revelation and understanding what that meant for this church. You know, we've gone through seasons of just different things going on and people leaving and just different dry seasons. And then a couple weeks ago, we had a word about reset, that God was resetting stuff and things are starting to change. And I felt like as I read this, I felt like the interpretation came. He said, bring some of the fish that you have just caught and the net to land full of large fish. And no net is representation of our church body. It's a representation. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, with the core of who we have, the strong believers that we have, we are going to be able to hold an influx of people that God's going to bring into the church. And the net's not going to break. That means we are not going to be overwhelmed as a body of believers to hold the people that God is wanting to bring into this place. Also, I felt another interpretation about the net was, he said, the building that we have is going to be able to help us contain what God wants to do here. And then another thing, when he showed me about the large fish, God is going to be bringing people into the church with such incredible natural and spiritual gifts 
But as they come in and the Holy Spirit works upon them, God is going to do something miraculous in them. God's going to cause them to be committed to this body, committed to the call of God. Each church has a call of God. Each church has a purpose. And when people feel God, when people come and plant into church, they become partakers of the call of God in that church, and they become part of the body of Christ in that local church to see the fulfillment of the God's call on this church. And I felt like he said that the large fish, God was going to cause there to be such a growth of people with their gifts that they are going to grow. And at the time, those prophetic words about us planting churches is going to happen because of what he's going to do by bringing people in and all of us being part of that environment that we're like the dirt around seeds that can cause them to nurture and grow. And the interaction we have as a body causes spiritual growth and health as we are the word with each other, as we give each other accountability, places to be irritating each other and so that we can grow in relationship and fellowship to be the body of Christ and be that church of unity that Jesus prayed over his original disciples and he prays over us. His desire to see us one. So that was just a little extra this morning. But I want to talk for this third week about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the most incredible kingdom because it's an eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that starts in our heart when we receive Jesus. And we're just going along. We have plans and everything else. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of God hits us. It hits us deep inside and it changes us forever. It changes our motivation. It changes our purposes. And yes, we have natural things we have to do, but there's a bottom line. There's something so deep in our heart that's gone on that we can't get away from it. And we buy in as disciples and followers, and we find our little niche. We find our little place in the body of Christ, in the local church, and we start doing it. But over time, something, that thing keeps growing and growing and growing inside of us. And we find ourselves keep saying yes to Jesus and yes to Jesus. And we find ourselves finding greater fulfillment, doing things that we wouldn't plan to do because we're letting the kingdom of God have its purpose and way in our life. And I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is so moving on you that you are so moved on by God's love for you. You so want to embrace God's kingdom that some of the things that have distracted you, you're just going to let them go to the side because you're finding something better. You're finding something that has more fulfillment. You're finding something that gives you a greater peace in a world that's constantly in trouble. You find that in your life, the things you try to control, you can't control, you're starting to let go of them because there's a greater peace and contentment because the kingdom of God is working in your life. Uh, a little review, the scripture we kind of have been on the last two weeks is Luke 2, that prayer. That Jesus gave us the Our Father prayer. And Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, and Jesus assuming uh, because we're followers, we're going to pray, that we pray, Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We really went over that part last week about your will be done. Again, our society, our jobs, our, our emotional needs, our natural needs are screaming and trying to control our will. But the moment we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life, there came a conflict, a war began to start in our lives from the, the will we have as a natural person and the will of God that's in our new nature. And there's a war Romans talks about that's going on between those two things. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes to help us overcome that war. So we say yes to Jesus. We keep taking steps where we don't want to go because it's the will of God for us. And sometimes we take those initial steps. It's scary, but it's a powerful thing as we see the will of God unfold. And we see the fruitfulness of our lives because we've come to Jesus Christ and we've said yes to him. 
and we said no to ourselves. Now this other part is kind of, was prophetic. I felt like God threw on me on Friday. I had my message all settled, and then he changed it. It's about a familiar story about Peter walking on the water. But I felt like God gave me such a deeper interpretation. And it's funny, isn't it something when you read the word, you, you get, you read it, the context, you can understand the story, but then all of a sudden, over the years, you read the story, and it keeps opening up. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Because the Holy Spirit, the one who gives life and uses this word to divide our soul and spirit, the Holy Spirit takes and illuminates the word of God so it becomes rich and deep to us and it continually ministers deep things to us even though we've read the stories so many times. So the story starts out in Matthew 14, verses 22. The context is Jesus has just fed the 5,000 plus the children and the women that were there. And so there's this great multitude who had just been fed and so he's sending the disciples off. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him into the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. Now when evening was come, he was alone there. You must spend more time in your life being alone with Jesus. You must spend time being alone with Jesus. He wants to talk to you. He wants to give you the things that you need. He's going to take care of your practical life. He's going to take care of your natural life. But you must derive, like Dory said, there's a yoke. It's you and Jesus have to be yoked. And that place and that time in prayer is so important because it's going to bring so much freedom to you. It's going to bring so much a manifestation and a breaking off of things that have affected you, of things that have happened to you. It's going to transform your life being with Jesus. And you think, wow, he's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. Why does he have to be with Jesus? I mean, why does he have to be alone in prayer? Because he was the, the son of man. He had taken on humanity. He had left his robes in heaven, and he had taken on humanity. He was going to the cross, so he was taking every bit of temptation, everything he could go through, and yet perfect, because he was going to be the sinless sacrifice. And so, because he was all like us, he had to do a warfare in the spirit like we need to do. So he was doing the Our Father on that mountain. He was praying, your kingdom come, Father, your will be done. I'm the instrument that's breaking the kingdom into society, but you have to do your will. And so we find him alone praying. Our daily prayer is a daily invitation for someone who loves you more than anyone can love you. Someone who will never leave you or forsake you. It's an invitation. Come and be with me. And how often there's little whispers of the enemy. Oh, isn't, don't you have to do this? Isn't this important? I have so many things happen. You know, we had a, a two-day summit at our house last Friday, and just first thing in the morning, my garage door would not go up and down. It's just weird little things. Always happen when you're trying to do something spiritual to set you, to distract you, because he doesn't want you spending time. When you're with Jesus in prayer, you're building the kingdom of God. You're building up your spirit. You're strengthening your spiritual man. It brings a clarity to your mind for your soul not to have to make all the choices. To let the spirit of God rise up in you and lead you. To be led by the spirit means your spirit has ears to hear and you're open to hear what God's saying to you. Daily invitation. Prayer is that connection with the kingdom of God. Why the kingdom of God? It's the Amazon in heaven. It's the download. When you're in prayer, you're drawing on the kingdom of heaven, and it has resources stacked up, waiting to be received and brought in. 
Matthew 14, 24. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I tell you, the boat is the local church. I tell you, she's constantly in every place where she's at, in every local church. She is in the storm because Satan wants to destroy God's people. He wants there to be disunity and uh, mistrust and everything he can to keep people from being connected. But the boat, the kingdom of God, is the local church, and you've got to put your roots down somewhere where the Holy Spirit leads you, and you stay there and let God grow you, and you become a powerful uh, ambassador and kingdom person that you are walking in the Spirit, and you're walking in the gifts of God. So you rise above the level of, uh, of unrighteousness and uh, immorality and whatever you want to say in there that's anti-God that would keep you from being the man or woman of God that you're called to be. Amen. We're kingdom people. So they're in the boat, and the waves are constant. You know, they're against, they're contrary, they're against them. And you know, we sang. I'm glad we sang that song, Enoch. I'm glad you're in the spirit when you picked these songs. We start, We sang about God is good. How many times as Christians, we're going through something, and the devil's telling us God's not good. God is always good. God is always good. There was a storm on that lake, and we could say, well, you know, Jesus was going to work a work, and he was going to have Peter walk on the water, and that's why. No, God is good, but the moment Jesus came into this world, he came under satanic attack. Satan did not know his full mission and the mystery of the gospel that we know. The Bible talks about it was a mystery, because if he had done that, he would never, he would have stepped back and wouldn't have done anything to hinder Jesus. But somehow he knew Jesus was a threat, and so all hell came against him. So all hell was coming against those disciples as they were crossing the lake to go to the other side. And so the wind came up, and we know Satan has the power to use the natural elements in this world to bring destruction. Why? Because if you look at Job, when he desired to attack Job, that he caused a great wind to come and kill his, all his sons and daughters. So we know this storm was, was against them. And the storm was from the enemy. But God is good. He's the one that rebukes storms. He's the one that turns the tables for us. He's the one that does good for us. And anything that's bad, it's from Satan. God can turn it for good. We may have losses. We may have people that we're praying for that don't have answers. Bottom line, God's word is what we look to. God's word is what we believe in. Because it's our hope. And that's what we get to appropriate the miracles and things that we need. And when the things don't work out the way we think, we have to bottom line say, God... You give and you take away. Blessed be your name. And you said in Romans, all things work together for good because I'm called according to your purpose. And I'm going to cry. I'm going to grieve. I'm going to get through whatever it is. But I'm going to step up again. I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to be, believe in the kingdom of God. Amen. Matthew 14, 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to the... To them, his disciples walking on the sea. Notice this. How many times we feel in our storms that we're alone. Jesus is always with us. You may be in a storm. You may not see the end. You might not see the turnaround. You might not see the reset yet. But God is with you in your storm. And for whatever reason he's holding back, he's going to do a supernatural miracle for you even in his holding back because we're natural people and we're looking for instantaneous and we're looking for something to happen. But we have to go through our storms because that's when God manifests the supernatural as we hang on to our faith and walk through life together with him. 
We're waiting for God to do the supernatural because we are kingdom people and we live now in a kingdom of the supernatural. Again, our mind is going to tell us, I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. Doesn't matter. Matthew 14, 26. And when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out with fear. Now, if you've done much study of the Bible, the, the word of God uses the sea as restlessness, the, the humanity, the instability. And so a lot of times when God is using the term sea, he's talking about the way things are in the world, the antichristal system where people are under this oppression and uh, turbulence and uh, fear and uh, worry and anxiety. And this is what it represents Peter and where he's at. Think about, about the troubles and what we want more than anything. We want peace. We want to hold back. We want to pull back with our friends and family, especially the way it's getting darker out there. But you think about the disciples. Something happened to them like happened to us. That when we met Jesus, things, he started to change. Our desires started to change. Our priorities started to change. And so we take these little steps. Bless those 12 apostles because they made such a radical change when Jesus called them from fishing, from tax collecting, from those different places that they had given their whole life. Something so happened in their life that they left everything to be a follower. Even those disciples in the boat, they, they were fearful and everything, but they had sold out. They were simply in that boat going to the other side like Jesus commanded. Jesus calms the fear in Matthew 14, 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. This is an incredible word for us. I feel like God wants us to ask him. I feel like Jesus is saying to us, like Peter was saying, ask me to come out on the water. I feel like the Holy Spirit's wanting to move us to a place where we're asking to go out where we don't want to go. We're asking to go out on the sea. Have you ever been on the sea in a storm? One time I was on the ocean with someone, and I did all I could do to keep from throwing up that whole time. They were fishing. I was praying, looking at the horizon, thinking, when are we going off the water? And it wasn't even as bad as this. Just a couple of years ago, it finally hit the revelation when, you know, Jack Willis came and talked about, Jesus, about Peter walking on the water, and he talked about the reality, the waves and everything are going on. There was times he couldn't see Jesus. He couldn't help but start doubting because when Jesus, when he was in the bottom of the swell, Jesus was out of sight. And, and that, that whole thing where it's easy to get our eyes off of Jesus because we're in a storm. We can even be troubled when we step out in faith and we feel like, where did you go? I stepped out in the water in faith to do what you want me to do. And what happened? Many times we get disillusioned, and that's where the enemy wants to come against us when we're out of the boat walking where Jesus wants, on our water. And Anna, thank you, because your testimony was getting out and you walked on water. You did something that you would not have done. That's what I'm talking about today, getting out and stepping out on the water. Matthew 14, 20, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Have you ever felt like God was wanting you to do something and you got bold and said, 
yeah, send me out there toward that place I don't want to go. I don't think any of us done that. I tell you, I've told you some of you who've heard before, but if you're new here, I remember when we gave in and we told our pastors, yes, we'll go out and start a church. I remember walking out with that book that was a, church, a thin church planning book. I, I walked out with my hand and I said, you actually threw me out of the boat, God. Now I have to quit my job, plan to go somewhere where I don't know anybody, sell my house, leave everyone that's familiar, family and everything to go to a place. That's what it was to step out on the water. It was very fearful. It caused a lot of anxiety. But whatever God calls you to step out on the water, it's for a greater purpose. It's for his kingdom. And you know what the problem is? I had gotten too vested in the kingdom. I kept saying yes since I was nine years old. I kept saying yes to Jesus with my dysfunctions, with my social personality problems. And many of you, if you get close to me, you realize, that guy doesn't talk much. What's wrong with him? I have issues. But God can allow us to use our issues to encourage people to be who God calls you to be. Because it's not about us. It's about what the kingdom will do to, for a person that will say, yes, they'll, yeah, I'll get out of my comfort zone. I'll step out of the boat. There's just something about doing God's will. It's overwhelmingly, it's a mixed bag. It's, it's a mixed bag. Dory, Dory coined this phrase for me a, a couple, about 10 years ago. She goes, there was something that happened. She goes, man, that was really beautiful, but that was bizarre. <laughs> That's what serving God is like. It's bizarre, but it's beautiful. You know, your, your flesh is dying and your spirit is going, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only, it can only be explained because it's a God thing, because God does something in our heart. Our key verse for today is Matthew 14, 29. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Again, he's, he's inviting us to talk to people. He's inviting us to be in those places where we share Jesus, we pray for a person, or the fact that you're just so full of God because you're praying and walking with God that you're around people. Like, like, we, like we mentioned that... Um, I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but in our conference, we had Bill Johnson come and speak at our conference, and he just talked about being so aware of God's kingdom and, and practicing his presence and being, and being God-conscious, praying that when you go into a place, darkness knows that you're there. And over a period of time, um, you affect the people around you because you're a Christian, you're a believer, and the kingdom of God just kind of oozes out of you, like sometimes you're B.O., you know, sometimes. This is a good thing, though, when the Holy Spirit just oozes out of you. I remember at my workplace, I would be mocked and ridiculed by people, but there were certain times I would have with each one of those drivers I worked with where they had a crisis and they wanted to talk to Bruce. They wanted me to pray for them. And going out on the water isn't as scary as it sounds because when you go out on the water, Jesus asks you to come, he tells you to go, and then there's grace to go. Look what Peter experienced. If Peter had never climbed out of that boat, he would have never got to walk on water. He experienced the supernatural. What are our fears keeping us from experiencing God because, of our, because we're afraid of doing what God wants or we're afraid of it's going to change our plan or change our circumstance? He just said, go into the world. Go out on the troubled seas of humanity. As long as he saw Jesus... He was unafraid of the waves. Don't be afraid. 
you can be a little anxious. Because I tell you, doing what God wants makes you feel anxious. I cannot believe with social anxiety the anxious thoughts I have to deal with every day of my life. I just keep stepping out on the water. I keep pushing my thoughts and feelings aside because I know greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. And I'm right where you want me to be. And what a pleasure and a privilege it is to serve God, to know God, and to, when you step out of the water, you're taking ownership of the kingdom of God. You're taking ownership as an ambassador, and there's a supernatural strength and awe that comes over you that I get to serve my king. I get to serve my Jesus who died on the cross for me. And every day as we grow in relationship with him, we grow in this deeper love between us and him. We become more appreciative of even the strong, powerful, hurtful things that we go through because he works something deeper inside of us with our relationship with him. He helps us to resolve pain and hurt and abandonment, things that have happened to us, things that people have done to us. He helps us forgive them. Because we need forgiveness constantly. We, we don't want to hold unforgiveness and miss out our relationship with Jesus. Life is too short. And time is going. In Matthew 14, 30, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Have you ever had to do that where you're just so overwhelmed? You just cry out, Lord, save me. He always comes on the scene. He always rescues us. I think one more thought is when we do see the wind, when we do see the opposition, we don't want to walk that way. We don't want to go that way. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. A lot of times we find ourselves in stormy places, stormy seasons, because God's trying to get us back in the boat. We can't do life without brothers and sisters, without being in a local body. But in the boat, you're going to get to the place where he'll throw you out. Maybe some of you would dare to pray this prayer. Jesus asked me to come out on the water. If you feel like you've been living through a season that's kind of boring and dull, you're ready for a water experience. You're ready to walk on water. Jesus loves it when we walk on water. He loves to show himself. He loves to show the supernatural aspect of what he'll do through us. Again, that yoking door was incredible. Being yoked with Jesus is the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power.